Hey friends, welcome to Kusini, the African grind, where we bring you the stories of young Africans from across the region, highlighting the good, the bad, and the ugly of building ventures or movement, and how they find balance in what they do. Thanks for choosing to be with us. I'm one half of your host, Maggie. And I'm the other half, Idel. Let's get into it. Welcome back. This is part two of the conversation and we're excited to hear what's in store. Me and Meg, talk about this a lot. Kenya, East Africa, I don't get offended, but the tech capital of Africa. <laughs> <laughs> you inspire us for real, so oh, big up. Sorry. There's a lot of tech businesses coming up um, and we always talk about how, and, and even that's what led us to start this podcast is, a lot of the time, such things are glamorized. You know, you wake up, you have an idea, you get the money, and you're you're in the money for life. You know, uh, but you've told mm-hmm. us a, a different story where you've had to shut it down. Uh, but you're also interesting because you've also started a, what we would call brick and mortar, selling a product. What are some of the biggest differences and misconceptions, glaring things that <laughs> yeah. are just so different about those two things? So quick backstory, I started that bu- that juice business to hand it over to members of my youth group because they would be going to school and they would ask me for money. And I had wow. this whole, I would teach you to fish instead of giving you fish. So mm-hmm. I said, you can actually start a business and be taking care of yourself throughout school. You can even literally do a juice business and to prove to them that it was doable. I decided to start it. And my, my biggest takeaway from that is the importance of leveraging relationships. So I literally started the business with zero capital. I went, what? spoke to the, the guy who produces the juice, said, Hey, I can get you a whole, a whole list of customers. Are you willing to give me your gallons of juice on credit? And then I'll pay with time and they accepted this was from a relationship that i had built right i was already buying mm. his juice i could testify that this is good juice mm. and that's how it started so bringing that that lesson to the tech business you can't honestly underestimate or downplay the value of customer relationships and this is a good lesson because in tech we, we are sort of isolated from our customers. Mm. So users are real people, but they are, they appear to be digital. My CTO found it so difficult to accept the feedback that we're bringing to him when we went to the students because he was behind his laptop. He had good internet and he didn't understand why the students were saying the app wasn't working. But they were on campus riddled with thousands of other students and internet connectivity was horrible. I realized that, yes, the customer relationship has to be the most important. Even in tech, you are, if you are going to get a viral referral, it's going to be from good customer relationships. Mm. So that was one takeaway. When it comes to the juice business, it was product. You had the product, you had to sell it to make your money, right? <laughs> so if you are not selling, you are not making any money. Yeah. But mm-hmm. in the tech world, you sort of hide behind Oh, I have a beautiful product. Look at my UI. So you are sort of, you're sort of proud of your creation, but you are forgetting that you have to sell this baby to make money. You have to sell the future. You have to. And I think that that's one thing that we, we can draw from the brick and mortar business. 
that unless you are selling, you are not making money, and it is not business, right? There has to be a, a, an exchange of money. Mm. Otherwise, you have a fan base, you have a user group, and that's fine. <laughs> with innovation, where you're dealing with clients and people now, how how different now is that? Where it's fully service or service? Yeah, it's more. I would say it's service oriented. And yes, you, you're more or less. You're actually selling your intellectual capability. True. So with Innovation Spark, it's actually a. Uh, this Simon Sinek would say, "Start with why." So this is the why that makes me cry. We failed in our startup. Why did we fail? Because we didn't prioritize certain things. How can other entrepreneurs not fall for this trap? Or how can other entrepreneurs succeed? Okay, let me let's share our experiences from the field startup and then also working in the corporate world afterwards. The whole idea was to bring in our experiences both from failure and then also from working in a corporate setting and helping startups and entrepreneurs be able to make it. And so that that's for me was the was the greatest reason why we started. And I was fortunate enough to have my co-founder for Innovation Spark being a an innovation strategist. So he had worked with large startups. I'm talking about Ericsson, Siemens. He had been able mm-hmm. to, yes, appropriate it for the, the, the entrepreneur who's now like literally starting from scratch. So I wanted to be able to get a template that mm-hmm. entrepreneurs can follow that will help them to at least overcome the common mistakes in the beginning. What can, what are some of the common mistakes? Like what do you see across mm-hmm. the board? Common mistake number one is overlooking overlooking corporate structures and then also the role of um, laws, regulations, ETC in your startup. When we start, they say, oh, there's a tax holiday. No need, no, no, no need to uh, put together like a, a company, um, let's say rules, regulations, bylaws. It is, we are all friends. But it is important. It is most important because if you are good at what you do, if you are aspiring to grow, your company is going to grow. You are going to employ people who are not your friends. And they will have to have policies. They will have to have stuff that guide them. So right, right, in, uh, right from the beginning, it's important to have structures in place. When you have these structures, it allows you to grow quickly whilst keeping the flexibility. For the entrepreneurs and the startups that we've been coaching, we've been mainly taking them through these regulations, corporate corporate requirements, and then also they will factor in what they will need when they are scaling. If I suddenly get the 100,000 users that I want, I'm going to need larger server space. I'm definitely going to pay, produce, I'm going to need to have a larger, or I'm going to have like a, I'm going to need a processing plant if I've been doing this by hand. I'm going to have to employ people okay so what structures do i need to put in place so i'm in the middle of, of building uh my own business um and one of the things that i that i did not expect to have such an impact is legal and tax i've spent you know the last couple of years being a consultant helping people try to figure out their way but for some reason i hadn't like put too much thought into this aspect of setting up structures 
it's almost like you're trying to build a house with the right foundation. You want to build it to last. And that's also something I realize maybe we we as African businesses do not think about the legacy. How can it last past three generations? How can it be such that if I'm unwell, if I'm not there for some reason, this thing can run and can run efficiently? Um, so have you thought about that for like your business, Innovation Spark, um, or any other business that will come? What does the long term look like? Thank you, Dell. To be honest, this is one of the <laughs> this is one of the things that I have I am still resolving. So yes, when it comes to project projections and anticipating what the future what the future of what I'm working on entails. I have thought about it. I write them down. I try to follow them on a on a regular, but I am realizing that you use the word legacy until we are thinking about legacy and really long term, it will still be, it will still be about what we can get from it. And that might even, that might even cause us to think smaller than we, we could. Um, example is when my, when my co-founder and I started Innovation Spark, Yes, it was to solve the why that makes us cry. So yes, we don't want other entrepreneurs to suffer this. But then when we thought when we thought about it long term, we realized, hey, listen, um, between all our experiences, it is even possible that we can end up setting up a school. Yes, and so because of that kind of conversation, it led us to start reaching out to schools in Europe. My my co-founder is from Austria, so he has mm. some connections in Austria. And then we started going down that 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 direction. And then also to look at different verticals. So yes, we are looking at entrepreneurs, but what are the verticals of entrepreneurs? Where do we mm. see entrepreneurship in the next X number of years? And what different what different products or services can we can we put in place for this? So now we are focusing mainly on tech startups and also product-based entrepreneurs, but we are creating verticals for creatives because guess who has an interest in creativity and spoken word? Mm-hmm. Uh, we yeah. are setting up, exactly. We are setting up um, structures when it comes to the legal system. And then we are also setting up structures when it comes to collaborating with other Innovation Hubs, ETC. So to answer your question, the word legacy is important. If we are able to stretch our minds to see how far we can take this and how it's significantly going to influence other lives apart from our immediate environment and circles, it helps us to be able to see in newer, newer dimensions, so to speak. So I'm curious in terms of, um, so you mentioned when Idel was talking and she was saying about the long-term and the short-term plans that you have. Um, it sounds like there's a lot happening. So I'm not an entrepreneur, but I, I have seemingly somehow surrounded myself with entrepreneurs in my life. This concept of work-life balance doesn't exist, per se. <laughs> so... I am curious. I'm I'm curious in terms of how you find balance with it all, um, personal life versus professional life, or it's just all intertwined. And yeah, how do how do you find balance? 
honestly, I think the work work life balance is. I think that it's a fad. What we can, what we can probably uh, rename it is work life synergy. When I wake up in the morning, I write. I I have my I have my list of the top three most important things I must absolutely do today, and then there's also the to do list. I learned this some time ago. What are the shifts I'm sending out? So. What will I do today that will bring me something later in the future? Those top three things, honestly, are not my favorite things to do. They are the frogs <laughs> I must eat. And then in between those, in my to-dos are the, are the fun things that I'm finding to do whilst I'm working. So if I am going to prepare for an interview, I find the fun in the fact that, hey, I'm going to talk with two amazing people. And that is the balance in the work, right? Yes, if I'm going to do a sales pitch, mm-hmm. I take the fun in the fact that okay, this is this is an executive that I probably would never have met if it wasn't for this position. So embrace it, mm-hmm. form a good relationship, try and make the sale, but form a good relationship that you can leverage later. Mm-hmm. So for me, I guess it's trying to be present in the work, present in the moment, and try to take the fun or the joy from it. The the truth is that you want to always be happy when you are doing your work, mm-hmm. but this is yeah. the benefit of rich, um, practicing gratitude, also retrospecting. You are able to appreciate what you got from it, even though you didn't enjoy it. So now I am at, I am at a dojo. I'm about to practice judo. To be honest, Judo is fun, but the falling is not fun. <laughs> but once you learn it, <laughs> once you learn it, it is yeah. so good to say, hey, I, I'm a mm-hmm. judoka, I practice judo, I may end yeah. up with a black belt, but that had to do with a lot of unfun experiences, right? Mm-hmm. What will make me keep going is the fact that, okay, I'm present at this moment, I'm learning an act of self-defense and in the end I'll be able to say I went through this process. It, I think for Idel and I resonate. Idel is doing piano and I'm, I'm doing violin and it's there are moments where it can get so frustrating, so frustrating. and I guess more so sometimes when I see like a 10 year old who is just Perfect. Perfection in itself when playing that violin. <laughs> and here I am, an adult trying to really just learn the position, the posture and how to play but then you realize that two weeks from now, when I look back, I'm like, oh, I couldn't do this. But now it's actually much easier. But yeah. at that point, I wasn't able to really just have that appreciation. I completely hear you. Appreciate the small wins. Yeah. 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 A controversial question, Amish. Sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. So there's, um, there's a feeling, especially within this new wave of startups, in Kenya, in East Africa, and maybe in Africa, that to be able to get yourself known, to be able to get in that limelight, you need to, it, it's, it's life, you need to move in certain crowds, but you also need to know certain people. Um, you mentioned your co-founder is white. Um, I'm just curious, like, do have you ever noticed outwardly this sort of helping you like navigate those spaces or whether you're trying to get funding, whether you're trying to get a seat at the table even, you know? Mm. Is that something that's super obvious, the the difference of it? Yeah, maybe you can even talk about like 
what can we do to improve this so that you know people whatever your if you have a good idea then you can sell it and you can sell it of course if all factors constant that you can get you know a seat at the table what are your thoughts about that mm, this this to be honest Dale, this this question has been a debate i've been having since so my co-founder <laughs> my co-founder isn't white but he's austrian and oh. he has an yeah, that's, so that's why I keep telling him, hey, you're, when we are joking, I'm like, yo, your value is your assets. Because even when we are <laughs> making a cold call, I need you to make the, I, I need you to make the call and get our foot in the door. <laughs> that accent <laughs> will open doors. <laughs> for real, for real. So this is something that's, that happens in Ghana as well. This is a conversation that I've been having with some entrepreneurs, friends of mine. And it seems to be the way, but... Thank goodness for people who have also been able to just bulldoze their way through the whole stereotypes, right? Mm. So in Ghana, there are some amazing entrepreneurs, um, despite ECC, who don't have formal education, who don't have an accent, who didn't travel before their businesses, but just from like hard work and just like doing it, they've been able to challenge the odds. But it does seem like those who have external funding or white people on their board or white co-founders have have it easy going through doors. In the end, though, it will have to come to you proving your worth. Mm-hmm. So you can get all the funding you need, but if you're not up to your if you're not up to your game, you will fail, and that funding would have gone to waste. Which is sad because it would have been it would have been beneficial for someone who didn't have your privileges but made it. One of the things that that I've always held on to was a saying that said, "Hey, someone would have done better if you were dealt the same cards that you were dealt with." And for me, it's it has always been a humbling and a grounding statement because even for me. I think that the experience at Mess help, mm. helped, right? Because Mess has a community of international fellows, ETC, and if you use the Mess name, you get the door open. But mm. at the same time, I had to work hard to get into Mess. This was during a time where Amen. I had to do three courses, remember? <laughs> yeah. Yes. You were so, training, and you still did yes. it. <laughs> <laughs> so your your hard work in the end has to has to trump your connections. Unless, of course, you are a political figure and you are going to bullshit your way through, right? (laughs) (laughs) So it's 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 an unending debate. I think that it's sad that it's happening. But let us use our hard work and then also our 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 X-factors to be able to challenge these stereotypes. And I'm glad that there are people who are doing it in Ghana. You know, when we're trying to put together this podcast, you know, the main thing that we're trying to find out is the journey. I think the journey into someone's mind who's trying to start something, both the good mm-hmm. and the bad. Um, and one thing we've encountered is the idea of success. The state of mind is always, I'm climbing the hill. I'm not yet there. I'm climbing the hill. Even when you reach that target, you said, you're like, okay, let's do another one. So it's just... So I, I wonder, do you consider yourself successful or is there like a metric that you're using? Is there a, a point in time you think you're successful? 
And yeah, if you don't, why not? Like um, from our perspective, you're doing amazing mm. things. But it's not always <laughs> the case. So it's interesting. This, yeah. I, I'm sure you've thought about this before. Like, let us know. What, what are your thoughts on that? Thank you, Dale. I'm so touched that you consider me successful. <laughs> oh my gosh, a hundred percent. I can't even think of you as anything else but successful. <laughs> oh <my goodness. laughs> yes, absolutely. I have thought about this. Also, a few things have helped. So, no, to, for, a, for a long time, I didn't consider myself successful. I think that um, it's been gradual, but I used to focus more on the failures than the victories. And that's why even in, in answering your previous question, I said, hey, try to find in that moment what you can be grateful for. But a couple of things have helped. One of them is to be aware of where you are now. So there's this really good saying that says, I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. Another practical thing I've done is I've written, I've written down, right, for myself what it means to be successful. And so on uh, every month, I get a reminder and I go and look at it and say, okay, guess what? You are on your, you are on your way to this, um, this success this metric of success. And let me give you like some really fun examples. One of the things that I've written down is a Mish pampering list. And then in that list, <laughs> I've written, okay, I Mish, these are all the things you can do to pamper yourself. Nice. And when you're able to do this, you may not think you are successful, but as long as you can do this for yourself, guess what? You are, you are close. So some of them is, hey, I Mish, take yourself out twice a month. Amish, um, buy more African wear clothes. Mm. So stuff like that. Amish, um, perform once a month, go on a show that you like, ETC. And these help to, these help to stay grateful and also appreciate the journey. Mm. And I think that almost every entrepreneur knows that, hey, success is in the journey. But to be honest, when that journey is super tough, <laughs> You are not appreciating the journey and not feeling very successful. Write down what you can do to pamper yourself, what you think success is, and you will get there, thank goodness, because you are a determined person, you are an entrepreneur. That's why you are an entrepreneur. So when you get there, be able to sit back, appreciate that moment, and if you think you want to do more, write a new list. But don't fail to be don't fail to appreciate the, the victories and the little wins that we are talking about. So get yourself a pampering list. <laughs> Love it. Please teach yourself, get yourself that pampering list, everyone who's listening right now. <laughs> <laughs> What, what I also love is the idea that um, you're still true to your creative nature with your ability to still continue doing that, your spoken word with, and continue to do, I guess, what would be the more technical kind of work with um, the mm. consulting. Mm. Uh, thank you, Maggie. And thank you for the opportunity to talk about spoken word. I, yo, I love spoken word so much. <laughs> and this is something yeah. that I, I stumbled upon, right? <laughs> so... Like I said, I stumbled upon it, but through the entrepreneurial journey, it has been therapy for me. Mm. And I, I remember telling you, almost everyone at MES had imposter syndrome. One of the mm. ways to deal with it was to write about it. And then for me, I could also perform it. 
And so to be able to communicate these thoughts, right? My friend, my friend says that everybody needs therapy and I agree. I think that this has been more of a therapeutic journey. And even the, the latest EP that I'm working on has been me, me questioning and trying to find answers when it comes to faith, because I grew up in the Christian faith, but it, it got to a point where I was feeling like, hey, this is my mom's religion. I mean, we are about to go into another podcast. We need another one. <laughs> right. So in the end, I, I wrote The Naked Christian, which is um, the EP I'm working on to find out, okay, what is, what is it about my faith that I'm subscribing to? What are some of the discussions and the conversations that I'm not comfortable having? And will I be able to ever talk about it? I have one title called Dear Elder. You should check it out on Spotify. Mm-hmm. And it talks about all these things that, hey, I'm struggling with this weight. I'm a youth leader, but guess what? Okay, I'm going to just give you one line. It says that, yeah. um, genuine question, Elder, how do I evangelize to my weed dealer? <laughs> or have a spiritually meaningful conversation with the lady I want to have sex with. This would be, this would be, hey, so shocking if you said this in church. But guess what? Mm. I have a platform to communicate it and it is true spoken word. So, Maggie, yes, um, spoken word for me has been therapeutic. I thank God that there are people who are also able to relate to it. And so it gives a reason to keep um, writing these truths and sharing it. So we're snapping away and for sure, I feel like uh, Idel, I think we need another podcast where we just discuss the naked Christian. <laughs> we would love to have you discuss it. Um, yeah, we can delve into it. This is one of our favorite topics. Personally, um, as someone who was very into religion and then kind of started like finding, mm-hmm. questioning a lot of things. Um, mm. And then also still finding your way back into some sort of belief system. I think yes. it's, I think it's such a refreshing mm. thing for many people, um, especially mm. Africans, to to question why they do what they do. Question mm. with a very yeah. open heart, open mind. So I love that you're doing this, Maggie. Are we, we are going to have a naked Christian podcast. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Drop us, drop us a line of okay. This year, you go far like a viral post. Attain hot cake status like a slay queen turned diva. I pray you catch some fever. Become hot enough to blaze new trails in every life area. More financial freedom. 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 Them go call you top shutter. Regardless of your setback, you stay grinding. This year, you are taking over like a political party coming into power. You will not cower to the threat of failure. But aim at those smart goals. Shoot to score. You know the fear because the Lord is your defender. This year, you shatter glass ceilings. Break down barricades and overcome. You will stay winning. This year, go pa. This year, go pa. Hey, this year, go. This year, go. This year, go pa. You, thank you. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you so, so much, much Amish. Amish. You have been such a pleasant guest. We cannot wait oh, to have you so for another conversation. Um, <laughs> yes, and, and just it's been such a nourishing conversation, actually, to be really honest. Yeah. So we oh, are really thank you so much. Thank you, Maggie. Thank you, Dale. Thank you so much for having me. I've enjoyed the conversation as well. It was so nice to oh. chat with you. 
that's it for now. Thank you for listening to Kusini, the African Grind podcast, where we dive into the amazing journeys of Africans making their mark. Look out for more episodes. Until next time, bye.